Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a huge star, a star of the stage, the small screen, the big screen, and now the charts. He found a passion for singing as a child in the Welsh Valleys before spending 10 years treading the boards in the West End, building a name for himself, before going on to land his first movie audition at the ripe old age of 30. He got the part. It was Apollo in The Clash of the Titans, and he's not looked back ever since. In fact, his CV is pretty mind-blowing. There's movie franchises, The Hobbit and Fast and Furious, box office hits like The Girl on the Train, as well as streaming juggernauts like Apple TV's Echo 3, Amazon's Nine Perfect Strangers with Nicole Kidman, Disney's Beauty and the Beast, and this month's Netflix adaptation of Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, alongside Olivia Colman. And if all that wasn't enough, he's also just released his second album called Songs For You and will be appearing on a one-off BBC2 Christmas special in concert for an evening of music, performing duets alongside the likes of Ollie Murs, Beverly Knight, Leanne Rimes and Nicole Scherzinger. He mostly lives out of a suitcase on location, but when he isn't working, he has homes in London and Ibiza. Let's see where he's dialing in from today, shall we? It's Luke Evans. How are you? I'm, I'm actually really good. I'm really, really good. I'm at home in London. Um, and yeah, I'm just happy to be talking to you. That doesn't happen much, does it, being at home in London? No, it doesn't. It, weirdly, um, the album has uh, forced me to be in, in, in the UK more than I usually would at this time of year. 
Um, I obviously left it open so that I could do all the wonderful promo things that I've got to do and stuff. So I've actually been around the UK a bit, but during that time, I've also had to go to New York to do the Echo 3 premiere and press junket and um, after Tokyo on Mon on Tuesday next week. So there's a lot going on, but I'm, you know, I, yeah, I, I can make a home anywhere. As long as I've got a nice glass of red wine and uh, an scented candle, I can make a home almost anywhere. You sound like my kind of man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, congratulations on the record, because this is record number two, album number two. It's called Songs For You. I mean, there's two original tracks on there, but lots and lots of songs that we'll already know and love. And then you're rolling out every kind of proverbial red carpet to perform on the BBC Two specials. And you've got some real ritzy guests coming on with you. Oh, my God. I can't even quite believe that... Uh... I've already shot it, and I and the night was like a dream. It was like it, it was every time one of these guests came out onto the stage, I was getting to the end of the song, and I'm so used to doing this and being the guest that I was thinking, oh, my moment's over, and I got to leave the stage. And then I'm going, oh, hold up a minute, you got to say thank you to them. They have to leave, and then you're gonna have to invite somebody else onto the stage and sing with you. And it was, it was, I I got the bug. I have to say, Kate, Did I you? loved it. Can <gasps> I smell a tour? Oh, yes, I would love to tour. And I think, you know, it was a really good sort of test to see if I could sort of hold my own and, and carry us. Because it's, it's, there's a lot of work goes into a live show, you know, and then having guests. And obviously, you know, I was, uh, you've already mentioned them, but Beverly Knight, Ollie Mers, Leanne Rimes, Nicole Scherzinger, all incredible, very well-established, experienced performers, all coming with their thing, their, their you know, their vibe and, they were all so gracious and so kind, knowing I made sure they all knew, like, this is a new thing for me, so please, you know, get, get, get me through it. And they just loved it as much as I did. Honestly, we had the best time. I mean, I sang Leanne Rhymes' track the first time it's ever been recorded as a duet. She allowed me to sing it with her. So, you know, there were moments I'll never, ever forget. And she loved and it, it too. And it was in Newport. You got them all to Newport. I told you, love. It's like, you know, the, the, they, I'm sure they thought it was the Palladium, but when the car turned left out of the airport and started heading west, they were probably wondering where the hell they were going. But sure enough, they ended up, they ended up at the Celtic Manor Hotel. And um, it was, a, honestly, it was a first-class production. Everybody involved at the ICC and everyone backstage and front of house were fantastic. It was a world-class show, and I was very proud to be bringing it back home and also to get all the family there, you know, because I don't see them very much. And I mean, there was 150 of them in the audience. I didn't even know I had that many family. Because they're really, literally a small town of Evans. Literally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I did after, after the show, I put them all into a big room in the, in the ICC so I could go and meet them all. And I, I thought, because I had been singing like... I'd done like two, two, I'd sung a lot of songs that day and I thought I need to rest my voice because the following day I was going to sing at the Festival of Remembrance. And so I oh, was, um, wow. I was like, I can't, I can't spend a lot of time with everybody. So I thought, put a mic in the corner so I can say hello to everybody, thank them all for coming and then leave. So I got up, said how much I was so grateful to see them all. Thank you for coming. Have a wonderful night. The bar's open. It's all paid for. A microphone down thinking, right, quick exit. Pulled straight to the left to by my Auntie Marilyn, pulled to the right by my Auntie Helen. And I spent three hours going around every single person in the room. But you know what? It was it was worth it because just to see the pride on their face and just oh, yeah. having it in their hometown and just it was just it ticked so many boxes. It was magical. It's so important sometimes to remember to step out of the schedule and live in the moment, isn't it? 
Totally, totally. And sometimes, you know, your schedule can, can ruin moments if you don't go, hold yeah. on a minute. This needs, I need but to breathe a second. I yeah. need to take this moment. And, and it was wonderful. It was just very, I need very to be in a headlock with Auntie Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, she's got a grip. She's got a grip on her. What's it like singing these big Christmas songs? Because obviously you were raised as a Jehovah's Witness, so Christmas mm. isn't isn't a new concept to you. But it's um, well, it's not. You didn't grow well, up with a tree like that behind you in your home, did no, you? No, I didn't. No, not like this gorgeous thing. That bad um, it's boy. It's not even lit. We should plug it on. Plug it in, Barney. I'll get my <laughs> assistant to plug it in just so you know we have more glow. Yeah. Um, it was. You know, I love Christmas. I love Christmas for many, many things, many reasons. Firstly. As an actor, it's actually the only time of the year I can guarantee that I'm not working. Yeah. Because they can't afford to pay people over Christmas because it's too expensive. Perfect. So it's great. I'm fine yeah. with that. Um, <laughs> it also means, like, you know, I get to, you know, be around my friends and family. And, and, and I travel at Christmas often, weirdly. Even though I travel a lot for work. Traveling at Christmas. Here we go. See, look at her. It looks nice, right? Did you string yeah. your own lights? Of course I did. Did the well whole thing. I did it all yesterday and this morning. I actually had on um, Wham's Last Christmas, which, weirdly, I I covered on my album. And I thought it was a very interesting choice of song that I knew a lot of people would be like, ooh, this is going to be interesting. And I, I, I always think that when you do a cover of a song, unless it's Bridge Over Troubled Waters or Somewhere Over the Rainbow, a pop song can sometimes be reinterpreted very many ways. I did it oh, on the yeah. first album with a share track, If I Could Turn Back Time. I took it... I slowed it right down, and, and turned you did it into Pat a bar. Benatar with "Love Is a Battlefield." Pat Benatar, "Love Is a So you know, and often these lyrics are very—they're overlooked in these pop songs because they're sung at a speed that you sometimes are only listening to the to the to the melody, you know. And and of course, it's a brilliant song, and I I didn't want to touch it as that. But I thought, is there another way? Let's look at the lyrics, and you look at the lyrics of Last Christmas, and they're tragic. They're so sad. Oh my God, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, let's let's add strings, let's take away the beat, let's just slow it down and let's just see where it goes. And sure enough, that's what we ended up with. What made you want to touch Christmas? Well, you know, the last time I released an album, I didn't have uh, a huge amount of time to record and think about um, Christmas, at least. And when the album did come out, everybody loved it. But they also said, where's the Christmas song? Come on. Like, And so I said to everybody, I was like, Guys, we've got to put a Christmas track or two on this album. I said, otherwise, you know, the fans are not going to be happy. And, you know, I love those Christmas songs. And so I thought I'd choose a very traditional one, which I know is, under, is, is known internationally. So my partner is Spanish. He sings it in Spanish. Um, I've heard it in Italian. I've heard it, yeah, and it's glorious. And it's just like this song has transcended time, uh, culture, and it's historically a beautiful. And when you hear it, it's Christmas, right? It's like, yeah. it's Christmas. All I need now is snow, a Yuletide gathering, you know, and, and so I just thought, that's why, that's why. Even, I mean, even my mum and dad like it. Do they? <laughs> of course they do. So, so you don't spend Christmas Day with your mum and dad then? You can go no, wherever. We, we we have done in the past, but no, I mean, for them, they're, they're just happy to be at home and they've got lots of friends that they hang out with because everybody's on holiday, at least. They all, everybody benefits yeah. from that. Um, yeah. and, uh, sometimes we do, but sometimes I just, you know, they also know I work very hard and, 
I was just talking to somebody earlier. They're like, you're always on a beach. I'm like, actually, I'm not always on a beach. But when I'm, when I'm free, I make the most of it. Let me tell you now. And I'm on a beach. I'm somewhere warm or I'm, I'm skiing or I'm doing something, making the most of my downtime. And so um, this, this year we're, um, we're off to Spain and then to, uh, to the Caribbean. So Nice. Now, listen, I have devised three questions for you, which I hope will provoke a little bit of thought. And I wanted to dive in with my first one. Are you ready? I am absolutely ready. I wanted to take a stroll through your CV and the jobs that have taught you the most. And that might not necessarily be roles that you've played. It might be the nights you spent working as a bouncer or a secret shopper for Harrods or selling shoes in River Island. But you tell me which have been the most educating of positions that you've held. Um, well, probably the most humble of jobs are the ones that educate you the most. Mm. Um, because without those jobs, and I'll list them in a minute, there's a lot of them. Um, you don't know what it is to struggle. You don't know what it is to think about where your next rent is coming from. Um, saving money for the future. I couldn't do that for a very long time. I lived hand to mouth. And even though I was in musical theatre, they don't get paid a huge amount of money. And I would do any job to um, to survive. And um, I was never proud. I never thought, ah, oh, I can't do this because of who I am. I thought, no, you just do it because you've got to pay your bills. And so I did. And those jobs, and you've mentioned a few of them, you know, I worked in a PR agency. I looked after, I, looked, I tried to get columns for celebrity chefs. Did and, you? Um, Z-list celebrities. Did you? And, uh, I bet that's miserable. taught you a lot, about, even if it's just what you don't want to do. <laughs> I mean, the talented chefs were easy because they were talented and they were very famous, but the the, the celebrities, which uh, I can't even remember who they were now, but they weren't people I would have thought were celebrities. Who were trying to, you know, think, God, I'm so much more talented than them. <laughs> and I'm actually sitting here, I'm actually sitting here bloody finding work for them. Um, you know, it is what it is. That's brilliant. And yeah. you know what, you're right, you probably were more talented than them. Has time has gone on to testify. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I would do anything. I, and the, 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 like, the mystery shopping thing, that was a miserable job because you'd have to go in and pick on somebody, well, not pick on them, but just question everything they did as they served you. And I always used to give them 10 out of 10 stars. I didn't care. I got a free lunch out of it and, and they paid me 50 quid. So I was like, fine. <laughs> So you, you have know, to go but, in and pose as a shopper and, and put the staff to the test and then report back on your findings. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of how it was. And then, you know, I worked on the door of a nightclub. I mean, it was the coolest gay club in London at the time, the Shadow Lounge, it was called. And I was. You worked at Shadow Lounge on the door? No way. Yeah. I was I'm the VIP host. I'd probably let you in, my love. Yes. Do you know what? I had a couple of really funny nights in there. Oh, One my with God. Scylla Black. I used to, I sat with Silver Black several times. Paul O'Grady, Paul O'Grady yes! would have been there too, right? Yeah, I used to let them in. And sometimes Paul, I, used to, I said to Paul once, I said, can I meet Silla, please? And so he came upstairs, he's like, Lou, come on down, kid. Let me show you, let me meet Silla, let me come and meet Silla. And uh, I went down and sat with her. She was sozzled, I'm not going to lie. She couldn't put two, two words together at that point. It was quite late in the evening, but she was having a hell of a time. And, you know, but that place you could... You would let in everyone. Like, oh, the, I mean, there were so many interesting people that used to come in there. Patrick Cox, Elton John, David and Victoria. I mean, you know, it was just one of those places. And I was there when it was at its height, you know, so, yeah. So really, you were like the gatekeeper to the VIP lounge. Uh, the most sought-after gay bar in town, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I used to do that after work. So I'd go to the theatre, work in the theatre, I'd finish, and then I'd go and stand on the door till 3am just to make more money. 
And then in the daytime, I'd go and work as a PA to a restaurateur until 4, 4.30, and then I'd catch the tube into the West End, do the show, and then go and stand at the door of Shadow Lounge. Wow. I, I, I worked, and I didn't care. I wanted to save money because I wanted to... At that point, I'd signed with an agent in L.A., so I'd already had big Hollywood agent, and I was working three jobs because I knew without the money I couldn't go to L.A. and live and spend three months there and go do all the, the meetings and all that, you know. I'm not prou- too proud to not do work, no. you know, because it, it was a means to an end. I mean, what, what did those jobs teach you, though? I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, you should never be too proud to put in an honest day's work. But, for example, though, you know, overseeing the door at the, at, at the Shadow Lounge, you must have seen a lot that you took home and chewed over. Oh, God. I mean... I usually would, by the end, by 3 p.m., 3 a.m., you know, when I used to clock off, it stayed up until 4, you know, the, you'd be like, oh, God, why are you doing this? You know, you're freezing cold. You've had a fag butt thrown at your face. You know, somebody's tried to bribe you, which you've let in. And, you know, you're, you're, you're drinking somebody else's drink that they've left at the, at the front door because you're thirsty. And you think, God, do you know what it does, though? I, it makes you dream because some of those people I used to let in had made it and they were big stars. And I used to think maybe one day, you know, maybe one day, this is, this is just a means to an end, but one day maybe me, I'll be, they'll let me into this place. I'll be on the other side and the red rope will be opened and I'll go in. And I don't know. I think sometimes work and not the job that you want to do in life is the thing that kicks you into want to, to fighting for the thing that you want to do. It's, it's true. And I, I'm grateful that, 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 you know, success happened at 30. Cause at that point I'd been living on my own for 14 years. I've been surviving, paying my, my, my own tax and my own health insurance, well, health, but you know, paying my income tax. And since I was 16 years old and, so yeah, it wasn't you left, easy. You left home very young, didn't you? You were 16 yeah. when you went to Cardiff and then 18 when you arrived I mean, in London. I didn't think it was young. Mm. I mean, I'd, I'd have left at 13 if I had been allowed. I was ready to go. <laughs> I was like, let's go. The, the bright lights of London are calling and I'm ready to go. But no, I had to wait till 16 and I had it all planned. I knew exactly what I was going to do. Get a job, start singing lessons and somehow find my way and it, I, weirdly I found my way through my 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 singing which was the best way of going to London because then I had a purpose for being there mm. see most people think of you when they hear that you've got an album out as oh he's an actor who sings but no actually you were a singer who then started acting singing is what you did first and yeah. that 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 job in the shoe department at River Island was a Saturday gig to pay for your singing lessons with you shared a singing teacher with Charlotte Church, but yeah. you were so invested in yourself, even from that young age, weren't you? Yeah, I, I was. And I'm very proud of that 16-year-old. Yeah. I wish I could have just told that 16-year-old, you know, this is all going to pay off. Because I think at the point I was there, I just didn't have an idea of what was to come, you know. But every opportunity that was given me, I took. I, I, never, I never, ever stopped and goes well, no, I'm comfortable here. And, you know, I, that's the unknown. I don't know about the unknown. I'm not, I'm scared of the unknown. I was like, this is, this is, these doors are opening and they're going to close if you don't walk through them. And so I just did. And I'm proud of that 16 year old. Cause that's a daunting thing at 16 to be, you know, firstly living on your own and then, you know, doing, just taking a singing lesson, then going to London for an audition and, 
and then packing your bags and moving to the big city, like without no one really telling you to do it. And, but I did that. And I was always, so, uh, I often wish like I could have been around for the 16 year old Luke. Although the friends that I had then were ma- were amazing. They are still in my life. They oh, were all good. in the audience at the show. Ah. Like, can you, um, I've known them since I was 16 years old. One of them I shared a bed sit with, you know, and there they are. I'm the godfather to her, her son and, um, and they're still oh. there. And a lot of the stories that I tell in this show are about my, my life and how I moved. And they were all part of it and they're still part of it. And that's, for me, that means much more than any success is that you, you hold on to the things that uh, got you there. Because I feel that that's, that's something that's very easy to, to forget in this business. You know, God, yeah. you get so much smoke blown up your ass. It's an American phrase, but I love it. It just makes um, so much I, sense. Yeah. You know, like, and if you're, if you're weak of character, you can very quickly forget who oh, you were. Yeah. And I don't, think, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's healthy, you know. But also I think fame and success... Um, is something that you handle a much better when you're older, but b much better when you've worked and fought really hard for it. And we live in such a fast food sort of society now, where you can enter a competition and be famous by the end of it. You know, um, you know, I'm guilty. Mm. I hosted shows like X Factor, which yeah. fast track people to number one in the charts. But for that you, that was the last you had... time I watched it, by the way. Thanks, Luke. Um, you were with Leona Lewis, right? That's right. Yeah. So when Leona Lewis was winning or was on the show. We were in Avenue Q and I was an understudy, so I was never on stage. So we used to be backstage with this little TV in the first actor's uh, uh, dressing room, which was right next to the stage. And we'd literally miss our cues because we'd be watching X Factor on a Saturday night. (laughs) That's hilarious, but you really... Yeah, yeah. And one (laughs) night, and and the night that we all had to vote, I missed my cue because I was phoning and texting for Leona, like over (laughs) and over and over again. And then she came to the show. Like, it was like, it was, yeah, I was a big fan of the, of the owner. <laughs> um, what about the roles that have taught you the most? The sets that were the, the greatest um, classrooms? Well, I think um, the one I always remember, it was the first set I was ever on, which was um, Clash of the Titans. I'll just put it in context. I'd never stepped foot on a film set. I'd never stepped foot on a television set. I had never done a television advert. All I knew was this stage of 30 foot by 20, 30 foot back facing an audience. So I turned up on that day and I had hair extensions down to my waist. I was put in 24 karat gold plated armor. So I couldn't really walk properly. I looked fantastic on the set, <laughs> but still it was a lot. It was a lot. And I, and I, and I'd never stepped foot on a film set in my life. My first scene was with Liam Neeson playing my dad, Zeus and Ray Fiennes playing my uncle Hades. Oh my God, I'm panicking for you. Uh, can you imagine? Yes. And I had to just blag my way through it and make them think that I've been doing this. Because nobody questions you. They just, maybe they don't know who you are. They just assume you've been doing this your whole life. No, I had never, it was like first day of college. Like, I was like, oh my God, like watching and learning. And that day was a day I'll never forget with these two incredible actors, you know, and I'm there little Luke from, from musical theater now pretending to be a film actor in gold armor and long locks, you know, and, and that's how it was. And I remember having a conversation with Liam that, uh, that lunchtime when we were, we couldn't sit down. The armor was not, wouldn't allow us to sit down. <laughs> so we had these leaning boards. So you'd, you'd start and you just lean back. You just be leaning like this. 
So, so me, Hollywood. Me, so Hollywood. So we have these leaning boards. And me and Liam just standing with all our locks and his beard. And he's like, so uh, what's your story, Luke? And I'm like, oh, I'm from this. I'm Welsh. He's like, oh, fantastic. And then I said, any advice for a young actor who's just starting out? He said, uh, remember this. He said, you want to appreciate it now, but he said, you'll remember this later on in your career, is that the only power you have as, an, as a performer, as an artist, is to say no. Because sometimes when you say no, you allow yourself to be available. And sometimes when you, when, when you have said yes, the control is out of your hands. You've said yes, and you are part of the journey, and you're on that train, and it ain't going to stop until it gets to the station. Yeah. And, but the only control and power you have as an actor is to say no. And sometimes saying no allows you to say yes to something further on that you don't know about right now, which will change your life or change your career. And he was absolutely right. So what did you say no to that became an opportunity in disguise? There was, the, um, there was a few moments in my life where I've said no to something and, um, and it worked out. But the one that's really ironic is I had signed to do a movie. Uh, I was going to play a psychopath in a, in a movie called No One Lives. Bit of a spoiler alert there. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I got a call after 18 months prior to this moment. I had auditioned for The Hobbit and I hadn't got any response. I forgot about it. They'd actually started shooting at that point, And then they got to the, they got a few months before they were going to start filming Bard the Bowman. And so they were going through audition tapes. And sure enough, after 18 months, they'd come across my audition tape. The agent then called me and said, they want you to fly to New Zealand. Peter wants to audition you, screen test you. And I went, but tomorrow morning I'm flying to New Orleans to do this low budget, independent psychopath movie. And I couldn't get out of it. And so I had to say no. And You said no I had to the Hobbit. To. But I had to. I had no choice. I couldn't get on a plane and go to New Zealand. I was signed to do this movie and I had to say no. Oh, and I, so I got on that plane that morning thinking that was my moment. That was my moment. And it's gone because I have to say no. I couldn't say no. I couldn't say yes. I just had to say no. And anyway, I got off the plane the next uh, 12 hours later in New Orleans. My phone came on and uh, they said... Peter liked you so much that he's going to give you the job from your audition tape you did two years ago. No. Yeah, yeah. So I went from this low-budget, blood-fest, psychotic-murdering film on a plane, not home, but from New Orleans to New Zealand, and then I stayed there for a year. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's not the exact Liam Neeson story, but there was a no that turned into a yes. And, yes. you know, there's moments like that in your career where you just got to just go with your instinct and also go with whatever you have to do and accept the, the, the inevitable outcome, you know. Yeah. Only sweat <laughs> about the stuff that you can control the outcome of. Yeah, wow, exactly that, right. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank God your audition <laughs> tape was that good. I mean, I'd love to see it. It's probably shit. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It got you where you need Doesn't to matter. be. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Are you ready for your next question? Go for it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, a good film or a good series will live and die by its plot twists. But I wanted to know when in your own experience life has presented you with some major plot twists and how significant they've been in kind of informing who you are today. A bit like what we've just discussed with The Hobbit. Mm. Well, I think the biggest plot twist, I'm very close to my family. I'm When I say family, I just me, my mum and dad. We're, I'm an only child and my mum had me at 19 they were married at 17. My dad tw- was 21. So I'm very, very close to my parents and I, I adore them. Um, when I was in Avenue Q, which I've already mentioned, um, I had a call one evening as I was just about to go on stage and uh, to, to warm up. My dad had had something wrong with, he, he, he seems to have had vertigo or something. My dad is a builder and um, his career stopped overnight. He'd had a blood vessel burst in his spine, spinal column, and he was never going to go back to work. And that moment, well, firstly, I had to go on and stage and do stuff, which is not easy when you've got family yeah. suffering. And um, as, the, as the weeks went by, it was very clear my dad wouldn't be able to go back to, to the job that he'd done. And then I realised that on my shoulders would be their welfare and... Um, um, I was, you know, an understudy on a West End show. It wasn't making money. And an to only be able child. To There's no sibling to share child, this with. Yeah. yeah. No, no. So um, I, um, I, I had saved money at that point. I'd saved like three thousand pounds, which was a lot for me back then. And with that money, um, the next door neighbor's house came up for sale, and um, I used that money. Asked a friend of mine who had some more money if he would loan it to me for a moment so I could put down the deposit. So I bought the house. They didn't know. My mum and dad didn't know. At this point, we were in a bit of a situation because my parents, they didn't make a lot of money and they weren't certainly weren't at an age where they were going to be able to claim any kind of state pension or they didn't really have any investments or savings. I was worrying massively. So I thought, I'm going to buy this house and we're going to rent it and they're going to live off the, the rent and I will pay the mortgage. And that's what they did. And um, that was a moment when you realize, you know, you can have all the success in the world, but the happiness comes from knowing that your family are healthy and safe. And so that was a plot twist I was not expecting. And we survived it together. And um, 
you know, they, they are my everything. But when the plot twist happens, you got to think, how do I, how do I work this one? How do I work? Yeah. How do I, how do we solve this? You know, I didn't really know how it was going to happen, but yeah, two and a half years later, I did my first movie, Class of Titans. Wow. Paid and off, the, you, paid off their you, mortgage. <laughs> there you go. And you can, with a movie like that, you can clear down a mortgage. Yeah, their mortgage. I didn't yeah. have a mortgage. I was still renting. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them regularly, you put all your eggs in one basket and it was a very dangerous thing to do. <laughs> yeah. You were lucky enough, you're, you're, you know, it worked out. But, <laughs> but they also raised you with a good heart and a good work ethic because those two, two things combined helped you to write your own way out of a plot twist. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Uh, you, you did a similar uh, thing when you wrote your own storyline, I suppose, with a, a kind of, you know, devil may care, what have I got to lose letter to the casting director at the Donmar. You'd heard that having done, I think, what was it, about eight years in musical theatre, you wanted to do something, a straight play. And yeah. there was a play coming up, it's called Small Change. It's mm -hmm. about two Welsh lads. Mm -hmm. And your agent couldn't get you seen. So you decided to write them a letter. Yeah, I was changing agents at the time. And the one that I was with at the time couldn't get me in. So I, uh, I, I thought, sod it. What have I got to lose? I'll just write a letter. And I took it to the stage door, and the, the box office. And I said, could you give this to the casting director? And they were like, uh, OK, thank you. And I just said, I'm, my name's Luke Evans. I'm 27 years old, 28 years old. I'm a Welsh actor. Um, Boys and their mothers who parted from the Prince when they were 16. Written by an amazing writer and uh, director called Peter Jones. And a week went by and she called me up. And she said, Sorry, I didn't get your message, your card. I've been busy, you know, auditions for plays all over the place. We're, we're, we're casting right now. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I went in. She let me go in and meet her. And uh, I was very happy. Out of my depth at this point, I'd never only done musical theatre. Um, and uh, she said, I think you should meet Peter. He's very picky. He's been through 250 actors. He hasn't even got a short face yet. I said, oh, well, you know, what have I got to lose? So I, I learned to monologue. And I went in and met him. And within seconds, he said, stop. I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Abu Dhabi. He said, what river runs through the Abu Dhabi? I said, well, it ends up the tap. He said, that's where these two boys used to swim. He said, that's where I used to swim. And he immediately, he had a connection to me, which was more than the script. It was more about where I came from and who this person mm -hmm. was in his life and his different And then three weeks, three weeks later, I got the job. And from that, I got cast. I, I, I got seen by agents and L.A. managers and, you know. That was that was the role that changed everything, really, wasn't it? That's the one that opened all the doors. I mean, listen, a door opens, you still got to walk through it and make that count, and you, and you did that too. Was there ever a point, sort of seven, eight years in, of, of working regularly in big hit musicals, that did you ever think, well, this is it, this is as good as it's going to get, and and this yeah. is great, by the way, but no. I, maybe I won't tip over into the leading man and and I Hollywood. Didn't... As much as I was loving it, I'd given myself a time a time cut off point because it it, it wasn't great. I oh. wasn't uh, I wasn't saving money. I wasn't able. To, I couldn't look to the future and see security. Mm. I when a musical stops, and this is something that actors in musical theatres suffer have to suffer with all the time as their job finishes, they have to go work in somewhere else. Like I have a friend that had to go work in Amazon, you know, because he finished his job and he needed to pay his rent. 
is a very difficult business. It's a wonderful business. And, you know, when you love it, you love it and you'll do it. But I was, I come from a pragmatic working mentality where I was like, I can't keep doing this if at 40 years old, I'm still going to be without a house or, or an apartment that I own, being able to look after my mom and dad, um, being able to save money. I just, I, I was looking practically at the future and mm. I couldn't see it looking that rosy. Wow. So I gave myself till 30 and I was going to stop. And then, you know, I was either going to be back on the door of Shadow Lounge or running the joint or God knows what, painter and decorator or professional Christmas tree decorator. Who knows? Exactly. You know, I could, I could have done anything. And I was ready to stop. I knew I wasn't ever going to stop singing. But part of me was like, you've got to find something that's more secure, that's going to give you a guaranteed, you know, some solidity in the future. Because I was worried. And especially with my mum and dad. and all that. So, yeah. You know, I put a I put a time limit on it, and then you know, three three years later, it was something just changed. in time as well because yeah. that first movie audition, you were thirty. Yep, yep. So right on yep. your own deadline. And by the way, at then at that point as well, I was like, this could be it. So don't go spend it on a you know on a Rolex or anything. It went straight into paying off my credit card debts, paying off my friend that gave me the money to pay for them. The deposit on my mum and dad's house, next, the house next door to them, and pay off my parents' mortgage. So at least then, even if it was the only job I ever had, I did something good with the money, and I was going to survive. I'm a survivor, you know. I've been through a lot, and I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I always knew I was going to be able to like brush off the dust and get on and do something else. But if you hadn't written that letter, it's quite conceivable that none of this would have happened. Yeah. Oh, it's. Yeah. Don't get me going, Kate, because I've had a glass of wine now, and I might start crying because I get very emotional about this because uh -oh. it, is a, it is a thing that I put a lot of weight on. I, I don't take it for granted that moment that I, you know, did something quite humble for an actor who'd done okay in musical theatre, go and write a letter to somewhere I had, I'd been turned away from and just hope that that letter got into the right hands, you know. You know, if there's any message in that for a young actor is you never take no for an answer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just keep going. And, and if they won't take the know. call, write them a letter. Drop write them, them an a email. letter. DM them. And then them. stalk them. Stalk them. Set up an OnlyFans <laughs> account in their name. <laughs> <laughs> and bribe the hell out of them. Yeah. Just grind them down. <laughs> Just grind them down. But you only have yourself to thank for that. You know, that was mm. tenacity at its best with a huge side portion of humility. Ah. Because there was no, like, I'm, I'm, you know, why am I not being seen? I'm established. I'm in the West End. There was none of that arrogance that you, you would have been entitled to in that angry moment. Mm. Um, and I think I, I would like to think that I've kept that because I never, I've never thought that this was forever. And every job and every experience and every moment I get to do something I've never done before, um, I take it with all the gratitude I can find and enjoy every second of it knowing that it could possibly be my last thing I do. And I think that's a good way to look at it. Do you sometimes find things falling out of your mouth that you thought, I can't believe I actually said that and it's real because it's happening in my life, like I've duetted oh. with Nicole Kidman or... Um, let me tell whatever. you, like every time they came on the stage, I was expecting them to say, ladies and gentlemen, Luke Evans, and I kept going to the end and going, oh, Christ, Christ, I've got to stay on the stage and keep going. And I was... And to have, like, Nicole... You know, so Nicole Scherzinger's on the show because I released this Nicole Kidman. I'm working with all the Nicoles at the minute. I'm going it's through... It's just Nicoles. I'm, it's all the ends <laughs> this year. 
is the O's next year. Alita Adams next year. Oh, um, she'd be good. She would be good. But you know, um, with Nicole, she'd seen the 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 video and she she messaged me on Instagram saying, "Oh my God, this is amazing, babe! When are we doing our duet?" And I said, whenever you're ready, I'm here. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to go and DM her because we're friends. And I said, hey, if you want to sing with me, I've got this show we're doing. Please think about it. We can sing whatever you want. We can do something amazing. And that's how she's on the show. Again, wow. a, door, a, a moment. I could have just let it go and she wouldn't have come. Yes. And she came over. She there came over go. and did it. Yeah. So You are a prolific letter writer. <laughs> I love it. DM DM, well, that's, that's the modern interpretation of a letter, I guess, these days, isn't it? Mm, but mm. That's brilliant. And you're quite right. You have those moments where you go, no, actually, I'm going to push this because she's clearly quite keen, so why shouldn't yeah. I? Yeah, yeah. Like wanting to do your podcast, by the way. I Thank love you. your podcast. And do I want you? To do it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I listen to them all the time. Yeah, Thank great. you so much. Wow, I'm very flattered. Very flattered. Then you'll know You've made I'm me an practical. alcoholic. Yeah, exactly. I'm a professional drinker. There you go. Talk about write your own script. I wrote mine. There we go. <laughs> right, third and final question. Are you ready? I am. This is all about the music. I want to know, when you're putting together the soundtrack of your life, what are the songs um, that you're going to put there and what moments do they represent? Oh, my God, there's so many. It's hard, um, isn't it? There's like it's hard, but I, to choose I mean, their favourite child. I mean, first time ever I saw your face, Roberta Flack's version, mm. who I love and she even knows who i am now which is like i can i can i can die a happy man because wow. i recorded her track on my first album and she reached out and told me that she loved it Did which is she? very very special yeah that's another moment right there isn't mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. um that song at 11 years old or 12 i went to woolworth's in bargoid and they had a bargain bucket of crack cds that they were selling cheap and one of them was roberta's song, uh, killing me softly album and that album, one of the tracks was first time I ever saw her face. And I mimicked everything she did, from her breath to her vibrato, to her feeling, to her crescendos, to diminuet. I learned how to sing through that song. Wow. Um, and so I will always, that will always be a moment for me. And weirdly to sing it 29 years later yeah. <laughs> is an extraordinary thing to think I still love it and I still... I'm as passionate about singing it as I've ever been. Um, so there's that song. There's another Pat Benatar song called We Belong. You know, I was going through a breakup at the time. I was in Canada shooting a movie. And uh, it was traumatic because I wasn't used to being away from home. And a breakup is hard enough when you're in the same city as the person dealing with it. But when you're far away and you feel you can't be there, it's all text messages and, you know, phone calls. And it's not enough. And... It was over, and I just remember Pat popped up on my on my whatever it was I was listening to back 15 years ago, um, and it was We Belong, you know. Many times I've tried to tell you, many times I've cried alone, 
Always I'm surprised how well you cut my feelings to the bone. It just broke me. The song broke me, but in a good way, you know. Songs have that ability to shatter you and then put you back together because it's heartfelt, glorious love. We belong to the night. We belong to the thunder. And it was like, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, God, incredible. So that's definitely a song that I I love for, for many reasons. And I think my original tracks on the album really, you know, that was a moment for me. I I didn't think I would firstly get ever write music and then working with the incredible Amy Wodge, she turned my little pieces of poetry and stories and, and ideas into a song, you know. She's pretty established in her field. I mean, she is. And she found time to work with me, little old me, you know, like she, but we clicked when we met, we were literally like, we could have, we could have known each other for 50 years. It was extraordinary. The connection we had immediately. And she was like, okay, we're doing this. And we did it through lockdown, by the way, those songs were written on zoom. And she was in, she was in Ponte Preeth and Flantwit Vadra. And I was in North Florida. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Those are the first two songs we wrote and they're on the album. And, I tell you, it was a moment when I was in Prague in front of 80 orchestra members and they, they start the chord of a track that started with me writing words down on a piece of paper. I mean, something else. Yeah. A magical moment. Never forget it. For the kid that saved so hard for his singing lessons, that mm. is, you're right, that's mm. magic. Yeah, there. really special. Yeah, it feels like like when you you're talking about recording the BBC Two special, and you said that all your friends from those early days were there in the audience. Does it feel in some ways like you you're, you you've hit that beautiful sweet spot of going three sixty? Oh, one hundred percent. Feels like it's come full circle, yeah. and in a lovely way, you know, where yeah. I'm also I'm as eager and as excited and as hungry for the business as I was back then. But now I have more confidence and belief in myself and I love a challenge. I'm, I've been through a few things in my life and people around me, I've, we've all, you know, we've had a life experience and all it's done is, is give me more zest for, you know, taking that, that baton and just running with it and seeing where it goes. You know, the unknown isn't scary. It's only you that makes it scary, you know. Yeah. You know, you've got to look at it as an opportunity. Curiosity. Being curious is one of the best things that I think anyone can ever have. My mum and dad, they're virgin or nosy, but they are curious. And, you know, I've gained that from them. And I can put them with anybody and they'll come away with more information of a person I've known for 10 years than I've known in the whole time. And they've only known them for 20 minutes. And I love that. Curious, being curious about life and people and food and travelling and culture and languages and just... Being curious, I think it's a great, great thing to have. Yeah. Especially if you're working in the sort of circles that you are now where it, you're, you're coming into contact with people that are storytellers, creators, uh, visionaries, right? That you can't not, I, well, I, I can't not get excited around that. Even mm. if you can't contribute with your own skill sets, it's still a buzz to be around, isn't it? 100%. To know that they've achieved things in their lives that have affected so many uh, culturally have affected a culture, you know, and I think that's extraordinary. When you meet those people and they're nice, it's just wonderful. And I've met a lot of them that are really nice. Like I'm really so glad nice. Roberta Flack was nice. She was I'd be so devastated lovely. if she was a bitch. She was gorgeous. She was so nice. She she invited me to New York to um, 
to the Lincoln Center when they were giving her an honorary, uh, just a celebration of her life. They invite, she invited me personally to go. I couldn't because I was stuck in the jungle in Colombia. Amazing. Like, really, really special. amazing. What yeah. do you think is the song that says you? The song that is almost an anthem for you? Um, well, I tell you what, there is a song which I absolutely love, which being who I am, being a gay man in this industry and of broken boundaries and hopefully still will break boundaries and allow people to see people in a different way. I hope I'm, I've, I've helped with that a bit is this is me from the greatest showman. Yeah. It's like, this is me. Take it or fucking leave it. This is who I am. <laughs> Give me the opportunity and I will prove to you that I can do it. Um, but just allow people to be themselves and just let their talent and their abilities rise above everything and be seen for that, not for anything else. Yeah. Like, your identity is many things, not one. And that song is, you know, it's an anthem to a lot of people I know, but it is sort of like, it's a great song. Is it unusual, that, you know, at the top of the show, I, I read an introduction about you, about who you are and what you've achieved. I didn't mention that you're gay. Is that rare? Yeah, extremely. Yeah. Yeah, you, um, it, it was actually quite, I didn't actually realise you hadn't, but then now you've told me, yeah, you actually... This is the first time we've talked about your sexuality and that's because... Yeah, of, yeah, of, I brought it context. up. Yeah. Yeah, um... Yeah, it is something that is brought up very often. And in a way, I understand why. And in another way, I'm like, until it isn't something that people feel the need to bring up, then we haven't changed enough because it needs to be normal. But you know what, Luke, as I was sat writing it the other night, I just thought, well, I don't write when a guest is straight. No. So why would I write that you were a gay man? Straight actor Leonardo DiCaprio chats to Kate Thornton. No, yeah. it wouldn't be like, and you, it wouldn't be anything. And But if I was a lesbian, they would say, lesbian Kate Thornton. It becomes a yeah. precursor mm -hmm. or curse in the and way, I in feel... as much as it, I, it overrides your identity. And that has to change. Yeah. And when that changes, I will feel that, you know, there is some kind of level ground between everybody where you, you know, it shouldn't feel like it's a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. It's like, it's no one's damn business. Like, you know, and it shouldn't be attached to your talent. No. It's just, it's ridiculous. You know, I also understand that, you know, gay, gay people, trans people, um, have, have, have suffered in my industry. I'm aware of that to the point where I know that there are, there are, I'm sure, many gay actors who still don't feel that they have the strength or the courage to come out because they're scared that their career or their future career may be tarnished by the fact that they will open up and say, I'm gay. So we got a long way to go still. You know, the fact that I've done it, I, I, it's not that I did it. I mean, the, the weird thing is the press always made out that I came out Hit a, had a had a girlfriend. She was my best mate. I took her to she's anyone who had a nice dress to wear, and she wanted to walk a red carpet. She'd never been on a red carpet before. I had a lot of those stories going on, but I was yeah. always gay. I was I left home because I was gay. It's just weird. It's just weird, and and it's that that is the thing that has to change, you know. Because until that changes, things are not normal. And um, yeah, I'll just keep doing my thing. I'll just you know I'm playing Delta Force special ops, very hardcore Rambo style soldier in in the Colombian jungle for ten episodes on Apple TV Plus. You know I'm also the husband of Billy Porter in a beautiful Kramer versus Kramer LGBTQ story, 
which is a movie we shot. Wow. I'm mixing it up. I people you you as you should. I'm just I'm trying to be a voice in my own way. I don't need to be a spokesman or have a script. I'm just yeah. doing it my way. This is who I am, and I'm lucky enough to be working. And I hope that I'm working because of my talent. And that is why I get these jobs. And and I think I have. The people that I've worked with and people have cast me have definitely had much clearer, like, outside of the box ideas about, you know, who can play the role. So it's not, or Hollywood isn't completely, you know, obsessed with it or frightened of it. No, well, um, I hope not. But progress must feel very slow at times. And I hope, well, look, you know what, today we did, we did the show and it's right at the end that you've, you've, oh, yeah, 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 you you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice, right? It's lovely. Like I really normal... appreciate it. In a way, like the fact that you didn't bring it up and I did, it's nice. That's that's kind of, that's really how it should be. Mm. Regardless yeah. of the fact that you've got a movie to promote or a record to sell. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. exactly right. Yeah, good yeah. for you. One last song. What's the song that they send you off on? Oh, God. It's probably... Um, oh, let me think, let me think, let me think. It's My Way. Yeah? Well, you yeah. really have, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think... I mean, he knew he had a hit when he wrote it or when he sang it, but did Frank Sinatra know that it would be a torch song to so many people in so many different ways? No. And, you know, those words are just perfect. They are, they are everybody's story. It's a universal feeling of regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. You know, I've lived a life that's full... Um, and I see it as a, uh, an encouraging song, an inspiring song. But we all need to be, we all need to feel authentically ourselves. And um, I try every day to be that person, even when sometimes people go, maybe you shouldn't say that, or, or maybe you shouldn't. I'm like, no, 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 this is, I am, this is me. I'm trying to keep an authenticity to a very synthetic business that I'm in, <laughs> where I'm constantly in someone else's bloody skin with a different name and a different voice, you know. <laughs> Give me my moment to speak for me and be myself. And I like myself. For you know, a long time I didn't, and I'm happy with it. And um, That's so nice to and, hear. Yeah, it's lo it's yeah. lovely to genuinely like the skin you're in. Ah, too right. And that's yeah. not about liking what I prefer it when it's in the more mirror. tanned. Yeah, well, there's always a spray, babe. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right about being comfortable in the skin you're in is something, especially the younger generation who now have to do with social media and all that trolling and looking at perfect lives and none of it's real. And it must be very hard. I'm just glad I didn't. I wasn't brought up with yeah. the social media world because I, I think it would have knocked me sideways. I, I do think it will change. I do think it will eat itself in some I think so form. Too. I hope so. Mm, I really hope so. I hope we can find the good in it and kind of park some of the, the more negative stuff, for sure. Yeah. But thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, my I love your pleasure. story. And you, I mean, we, we could have gone, I could have gone into the night on this one. Thank you so much. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, love. And a very Take happy care. new year. Yes, you too, darling. My huge, huge thanks to Luke Evans. You can download his brilliant album, Songs For You, wherever you get your music, and you can catch him live with his music special. It's called Luke Evans Showtime on BBC Two in December, or catch up on iPlayer. My thanks to you, as always, for your company. That was a lovely episode, wasn't it? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And my thanks to Maria Nibs and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Editing is by Eleanor Humphreys, and our beats come courtesy of Andy Bell. 
For more chat with great stars from the big screen, our back catalogue features the likes of Alan Cumming, Jason Fleming, Hannah Waddingham and many, many more. So dive in and scroll your way to more great conversations. Right, time for me to hang my Christmas stockings up and say see you on the other side. Have a very Merry Christmas, one and all. Thank you so much for your company this year. And wherever you are and whoever you're spending it with, have a very cool Yule. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> 